Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hello, I'm Darren Kemp, a partner with Hydrogen Struggles and a member of the financial services practice. In today's podcast, re-imaging the role of the bank CEO, the first in our series on leaders on culture, I'm talking to Anthony Jenkins, executive chairman at 10X Banking and the former CEO of Barclays. Anthony led Barclays from 2012 to 2015. He was brought in to transform culture in the wake of LIBOR scandal. In 2016, he transitioned to the fintech sector funding 10x banking. Anthony, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much and hello. Anthony, to what extent did culture play a part in the 2008 financial crisis? And in your view, what were the primary factors that led up to that crisis? Culture is massively important in any organisation. I always like to think that the role of leadership is to create culture and culture drives performance. So if you don't like the performance you're getting, you've got to look at the culture and ultimately the leadership. And if we think about what really happened in the financial crisis, it was a combination of uh, reducing regulation over time, a favourable macroeconomic environment and bank leadership that set the wrong cultures in their organisations. From that perspective, how how much time did it take for these cultures to evolve uh, pre-crisis? Was it something that happened in a short period or was it over a decade? What would be your perspective on that? If you look on a graph and p- plot uh, return on equity in banking uh, for 100 years or so, it was in the sort of high single digits until the 80s. And in the 80s, you had massive deregulation combined with globalization. Return on equity then climbed very steadily into the high teens or low 20s. And I believe that the shift in culture is really correlated with that different environment. Technology also played a part, um, but there was a sort of laissez-faire, make money um, at all odds culture which pervaded the industry and that led to a lot of bad practice and that led to a lot of the issues that ultimately culminated in the crisis and of course 10 years on the aftermath of the cleanup continues on moving into the ceo role at barclays what what were your main challenges and and how did you overcome them in this regard so fundamentally there were three challenges for barclays when i took over and not uncommon for many banks firstly I took over at a time of crisis for the organisation because uh, we'd just been heavily censured for LIBOR uh, and that had affected the reputation of the organisation. Uh, secondarily, our capital base was weak. And thirdly, our return on equity was poor. Uh, and those challenges all had to be addressed during my tenure as CEO. Where did culture in your mindset when you took over that role feature in your thinking? I mean, for me, again, culture pervades uh, everything that happens in an organisation. In many ways, of course, we think about an organisation as a collective, but what it really is, is it's a combination of individuals, how individuals think, feel and act in the workplace. And the culture is a combination of all of those individuals thinking, feeling and acting together. 
And the industry, of course, had gone through this massive period where it had lost sight of the fact it was there to serve its customers. Arguably, it lost sight of it was there to sh- serve its shareholders. It had become very introspective, very much focused on you know, benefiting uh, employees and, of course, had disregard for the role of the industry in society at large. So culture was a massive factor in all of this. Um, but as I said earlier, it's about leadership. Leadership really creates the culture, and then the culture creates the performance. So if you don't like the performance, you've got to look back through that trail to see where things have gone wrong and where things can be improved. Well, what were the practical steps, therefore, that you took in responding to the cultural issues that you were highlighting in your early uh, term of your of your of your CEO leadership I I think in any process of cultural change there's really five things that have to happen first you have to define the culture that you want Uh, often people do that through a set of values Um, but those values don't really work if they're just words So the second thing you've got to do is you've got to retool the mechanisms of the organization, how you hire people, how you promote people, how you reward people. All of these things have to change. We changed a lot of those things at at Barclays, including performance measurement, where we measured not only what people achieved, but how they achieved it and whether it was consistent with the values and so on. And then the third thing is, does this set of values and the culture you are building inform business decisions? Because if it doesn't, then again, it's just words. So we exited a lot of businesses um, that we didn't think were consistent with the values, uh, including a very profitable business around tax structuring. And then the fourth thing you have to do is you have to measure progress. Um, So you do have to test um, how colleagues feel about the organization and feel about the culture. Is it, are they really experiencing it? Do they feel able to live it? And also test whether external authorities um, and stakeholders perceive that to be the case. And we, we measured both of those things. And then the last thing is finally the most important thing, and that is any change process, particularly one about culture, has to be led. Um, so whatever the leader does, and whatever the senior leaders do, effectively sets the tone for the organization. So if you say respect is important and you don't treat people with respect in meetings, people see right through that in a heartbeat. So those were the sorts of steps that that we took. And I believe it's a good model for people thinking about how do I modify culture now? Let's be honest, um, change is hard for human beings, right? We're programmed to resist change. Um, That's true at a personal level. So ask anybody who's tried to lose weight, take more exercise, go out smoking. Um, But it's hard at an organizational level as well because you're battling against the way people feel um, about the world, what they think about the world, their own uh, prejudices, biases, emotions, and so on. So in order to overcome that resistance, you have to put a lot of energy behind it and you have to keep working it and not get disheartened when things go wrong, because they will. Does the board have a, a role to play in changing culture too? Absolutely. I mean, the whole organisation has to come together behind this. If the board is not 100% supportive with the culture that you're trying to uh, build then again, the organization sees straight through that. And one of the things you know, I sit on, have sat on many boards, and one of the tendencies of boards is to focus on things that are you know, difficult. Um, so if there's a section on the agenda that's about a business that's going really well, for example, the temptation is for the director to say, well, everything's going great, just give us a summary. Um, and what they don't realize is that that's actually disrespectful because large groups of people have worked 
to make that performance and to prepare for the presentation to the board um, and are you know, both excited and nervous about it. So, I mean, on the one hand, it's good to be, you know, recognised for not being a problem. But on the other hand, I don't believe that's consistent with the value of, of respect. And so the behaviours that boards just demonstrate as individual directors and collectively is incredibly important in setting the right tone. So in effect, you're... you're implementing cultural change through the organization down through the organization and up through the organization at the same time is that easy to achieve or is it something is it something you'd been able to do before or is it something that you learn i think like everything you learn through you know hard hard experience of what works but perhaps more importantly what doesn't work and if you are trying to change an organization of any size but particularly one of 130,000 people the amount of work you have to invest in that um, and the amount of consistency and energy you have to put behind it is enormous and you have to work it at every level from the most junior level in the organization all the way up to the most senior level what were the green shoots that gave you the confidence or the the indication that you were having the impact that you wanted it uh, well trust me there were many moments of frustration and um, times when i didn't feel we were having the impact that, that I wanted. But I think in essence, where you saw people taking business decisions that were consistent with the culture that you wanted to build. For example, uh, colleagues in the retail bank who had taken it upon themselves to build a whole suite of services uh, for people with disability. Um, that was consistent with our purpose around helping customers. It was consistent with our value set. Um, and when you see those things, that's the sort of encouragement that allows you to go forward. When people took very difficult decisions around um, high-performing people who were getting the work done in a way that was inconsistent with the values, you know, either giving people strong performance feedback or in some cases letting people go, even though they were a good performer in what they delivered, they weren't doing it in the right way for the organisation. So when you see those things, it's encouraging, um, but it is a lot of continuous work and um, I always say that you have a culture whether you choose to manage it or not uh, so if you don't manage it uh, it will just be what it is uh, if you choose to manage it it is going to be demanding a lot of work but potentially has an enormous payoff in terms of higher performance in the organization do, do you feel that some of the changes that you brought to bear during your tenure have remained uh, can you see evidence of them now were they sustainable do you reflect on that and feel proud of some of those things that you implemented i feel um, very proud of the work that uh, i led while i was at barclays for the three years that i was the group chief executive and indeed the seven years before i became group chief executive of course that work was the culmination of thousands of people's work it wasn't all down to me by any means i was just uh, in the fortunate position of leading the work. Um, and I was I was proud of the condition of the company when I left it. It was more focused, better capitalized, had a lower cost base, had an improving reputation, had a changing culture. Uh, after that, obviously, you'd have to ask other people. From your perspective as a fintech entrepreneur, what impact is the emergence of fintech having on the more traditional financial services model? You know, it's a really fascinating question, and um, what's happening now is this whole space is changing very, very rapidly. Um, 
even versus a year or two years ago. So on the one hand, we are beginning to see some real traction in the fintech space. Uh, just looking through the FT last week, uh, I think it was on one day that um, Bitcoin went from $1,000 a Bitcoin to $7,000 a Bitcoin. Um, Funding Circle had made more new net lending to the SME sector than all the big UK banks combined, and TransferWise raised $280 million of capital. Um, so firstly, the fintech sector is gaining momentum. Secondarily, uh, the demands from customers are ever increasing. You know, We all are used to living our lives on our phones now, and that's how customers want to do business with banks. That has some benefits for banks. Uh, branch traffic is falling at a rapid rate, 15% per annum. Uh, but it also puts a lot of challenges in front of them in their ability to move more quickly, to embrace uh, these changes. And finally, I'd say, and I do talk to a lot of bank CEOs around the world, um, there is a realization now that what has made banks successful in the past will not work in the future. So bolting new technologies onto old legacy technologies is actually compounding the problem. Um, most banks in the world have a return on equity problem. Their return on equity is below the cost of capital. Most banks in the world run lots of very expensive technology and run it in a semi-automated fashion. The only real solution is to use automation to drive cost out. It's a little known fact, if you look at the people who have technology in their job title at a big bank. Um, it's often tens of thousands of people, um, oftentimes more than you would see in, for example, Facebook, um, which shows the magnitude of the problem that banks are grappling with. In essence, I would say we are at the start of what will be a profound revolution in financial services, and there will be a set of waves of activity as technologies begin to season. So right now, what's driving it is things like cloud computing. In five years' time, what will be driving it are things like distributed ledger and artificial intelligence. And, and, and specifically, what effect do you think fintech is having on culture in banking? Um. I would say that it's had almost no effect on culture to date. I think the response of the banks has been essentially the response of all incumbents, um, which is firstly to um, sort of ignore it and hope it would go away. Um, secondarily then to embrace it, but to embrace it on their own terms, which is basically about, well, maybe we'll you know go and visit Silicon Valley with the board, or um, we might make a few investments in a fintech fund, or we might set up an incubator. Uh, and then, of course, to the credit of the banks, they have begun to embrace digital, uh, but they've done it in a very uh, clunky and expensive way, but they have been able to deliver mobile banking, for example. Um, but basically what's happening is the same ways of doing business um, are being applied to a digital environment. And of course, that just doesn't work. Um, so it is stressing, I think, the organization um, of banks and the culture of banks, because frankly, the digital world moves in minutes and seconds and banks move in months and years. Just on that point, do you think the pace of change needs to accelerate in banks? To, to to not only respond to the fintech world, but also to accelerate the cultural change that's necessary for them to remain successful? And by the way, this issue is not unique to financial services. And I, I get to talk to people in lots of other industries, and um, it's the same. Digital is the number one issue for every industry vertical. 
um, where I talk to people in my various roles. And of course, what big organizations can do is they can innovate. Where they really struggle is to transform themselves. Innovation is basically a linear process of making things better. Transformation is a non-linear process. And those kind of big leaps um, are very difficult, partly because of the culture of the organization and partly because of how individuals themselves think. Uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, change is hard for people. Change feels risky. Uh, embracing new ideas and new technologies is challenging. And at its heart, this question is not about technology. It's about how you reposition your organization, reposition your culture, your leadership to survive in what will be a very, very different age, an age dominated by data, dominated by artificial intelligence, dominated by distributed ledger, dominated by the Internet of Things. And frankly, um, the level of understanding of those ideas is almost non-existent in most large organizations. Looking back over your career, um, particularly during your time as CEO, what, what are your key learnings on culture? I think the first thing I would say is that culture is a powerful driver of organizational performance. Therefore, it is incumbent upon leaders, particularly senior leaders, to pay attention to it. Secondarily, culture is, is absolutely manageable. Um, it takes focus and work and tenacity, um, but it can be changed. Um, and the third thing is, and this is the hardest thing, it takes a long time to change culture. It takes a lot of consistency. The financial services industry did not end up in 2008 with the culture that it had as a result of a couple of years. It took decades to get to where it is or where it was then. Um, and frankly, if you want to change culture in an organization of any size, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of tenacity, and it takes a lot of authenticity. It takes a lot of honesty because the organization won't always get things right. And when a mistake's made, then that has to be admitted and people need to move on. From, from the other, just on this point, from, the, from your perspective of relationships with other CEOs and in your discussions with them, do they feel the same about this subject? Do you, do you sense a a high priority in in their thinking around culture? What, what would you comment on that? I think the honest answer is that it's quite mixed. Um, I think there are some CEOs who absolutely get this and embrace it. Again, not unique to financial services. I think there are some people who think it's an irrelevance. Um, it's just some sort of soft stuff that doesn't really matter. Um, and then there's a bunch of people in the middle um, but I would not say there is a uniform belief uh, across the industry that culture is important. I think there is um, a belief in some parts, but by no means all. Anthony, it's been fascinating to speak to you on this subject. You have such insight uh, from, from both perspectives. If you were to leave us with one comment on culture and, and for CEOs and the your your perspective and your advice to them, what would that be? Don't underestimate the power of culture and don't underestimate how much work it will be to change it. Thank you. Thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. 
To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.